Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. Hey, keep your mouth shut, 50. I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! We are back after the snap episode two. My name is Blake Ferguson. I am the long snapper for the Miami Dolphins. Definitely not the long snapper for the Buffalo Bills. However, if you're looking for him, you've come to the right place. I'm here with my brother, Reed Ferguson. Reed, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? I'm just here uh, living it up. Beautiful Tuesday afternoon in Buffalo. Uh, we got some great content for the show today, uh, or I guess I should say this week. We've got uh, a little bit of a draft recap, uh, just hitting a couple highlights from what we thought our team or what our teams did. Uh, we've got two great interviews from both of the snappers that uh, both record-setting snappers uh, that were drafted uh, this year uh, in 2021. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the 2019 LSU-Bama game. We're throwing it back a little bit. There was a ton of draft picks taken from that game, so we're just going to hit that uh, topic a little bit. And then um, a little baseball chatter. There was a fun fun story out of Arizona this weekend uh, with the Diamondbacks and uh, do a little beer review to finish off, and and some mailbag questions from from some of our listeners. History makers, one small step for man, one large snap step for snapper kind. All right, so this past weekend, uh, as everybody knows, we finished up the draft Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we all know the most important day was Saturday because that's when the specialists get taken. We had four. But we had four this year. Four. Four specialists. A kicker, a punter, two snappers. and two snappers. Yeah. Amazing. Record setters. Record setters. Um, but just just to give a little bit of a review, uh, the Bills, I think we had seven, uh, seven draft picks. And really, after the first, um, you know, Thursday night, we took a uh, defensive end from Miami, Greg Rosso. Uh, looks like a freak athlete. Uh, he looks like he, a basketball he, player. He looks like a basketball player, and that was well. That was my next my next thing was after uh, Friday finished, and we had I think we had drafted um, by that point another uh, DN, and I think one other uh, offensive tackle, Spencer Brown, and every every dude. Uh, I felt like we were drafting a basketball team. Yeah, you. I think you both both tackles people. we drafted uh, were like they're like six eight six nine. The DNs are are enormous. I mean, on the PAT team, I'm, I was already the smallest guy out there. I'm get, it's going to make me even look shorter this year. I mean, what's the deal? Yeah. I saw the picture of Greg standing next to, uh, Brandon Bean and coach McDermott. And he, yeah. he literally looked like he was twice. It looks their photoshopped. It, it does. It does. And there it's, <laughs> it's hard to believe that they're standing like in the same room because it's like, it, the the depth perception is so is so crazy. It's it's hilarious. Right. It looks like Greg standing w- real super close to the camera, and Coach McDermott's ten yards yeah. downfield. The Dolphins had seven picks as well, and uh, we ended up with two first round picks. Took Jalen Waddle with the sixth overall pick, and Jalen Phillips, uh, pick number eighteen. Jalen Phillips is staying in Miami. I saw it. I saw a post from Hard Rock Stadium, which made me laugh. And it was they they posted a picture of of him with like the turnover chain that Miami does. I don't know if they still do it, but in the picture he was wearing it, and it said um, "Mood when you renew your lease." And it was. I mean, obviously he's staying at, at Hard Rock Stadium, but it, it really made me laugh. And um, whoever the admin is that that did that needs a they need a raise. 
and whatever the Dolphins person's getting paid, the Bills person should get paid uh, a little bit more because our people do a superb job on social media. If you need any background on that, uh, take a look at what they posted today on May 4th uh, for Star Wars and Stefan Diggs. That Photoshop is uh, electric. We're about to interview uh, Thomas Fletcher. Uh, he was a snapper at Alabama, drafted to the Carolina Panthers in the sixth round. Uh, we'll hop into that interview, and then we'll follow that up with an interview uh, from Cameron Cheeseman. Uh, he was the snapper uh, at the University of Michigan, and he was drafted. Blake, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was drafted two picks later. Three. Uh, yeah, two was, or three picks after Thomas was. It was 222 and 225. Yes. Okay. So three picks after uh, Fletcher was drafted to Carolina, Cheeseman was drafted to the Washington football team. So we've got both those interviews uh, on the docket coming up for you right here. Uh, enjoy. All right. We are here with Thomas Fletcher, long snapper from the University of Alabama, Patrick Manley Award winner, Senior Bowl participant, just recently drafted by the Carolina Panthers in the sixth round. First off, congratulations, Thomas. Welcome to After the Snap. We're so excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here, man. It's good to see you guys again. All right, let's get right into it. Thomas, Thomas, set the stage for us. Tell us what draft day was like and uh, everything, up, everything leading up to the phone call. Yeah, so draft day, I mean, was certainly a process that started directly after the national championship. Like, I mean, we played the last game of the season. I've we played on a Monday night. I flew to Arizona uh, from Miami Tuesday morning. I worked out with Gary Zahner for a week or maybe three days. Then went down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, was at the Senior Bowl for a week, and then left the Senior Bowl and came to Tuscaloosa and was training all the way through Pro Day. Then once Pro Day was over, we actually had two Pro Days. Once Pro Days were over, it was all meetings with teams and you know talking to special teams coordinators and whatnot. And then after, you know, all of that, the two or three months of the process, you know, you get to, to draft day. And I had gotten good, good feedback from teams. But, you know, in this position, as anybody listening to this knows, it's much more likely than not that you're going to be a free agent. So I went into draft day anticipating that I was going to be a free agent because the draft, in all honesty, is completely out of your hands. I mean, it's up to the teams that are willing to take a chance and draft you. So you're preparing for where you, you are going to be able to make a decision. And so, you know, I've been talking to teams about being a free agent and I was actually on the phone with another team that was, you know, trying to talk me into a uh, committing to a free agent contract and got the call from from Coach Rule. And I thought it was about being a free agent. And so, you know, I went from sitting there thinking I was going to have to start trying to negotiate a contract and uh, which is why on the call, you know, he says, are you coming? And I'm like, I'm trying to figure it out right now. And he's like, no, 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 no. I just drafted you. Welcome to the Panthers. So it was pretty, uh, pretty special deal. You know, I'm glad my family got to be there and I'm glad I did it in, uh, in Tuscaloosa because all my old teammates were here and we all got to go out and celebrate each other afterwards at uh, buddy's house. So it was pretty cool. That's awesome. And, uh, I mean, you brought it up, but, um, you know, I, I think for those who haven't seen it, you know, the, your phone call, I think kind of went viral a little bit. I mean, I, it, you know, I definitely watched it a couple of times. It was very, very cool. Uh, to kind of hear the back and forth because, like you mentioned, you thought that he might have been calling for a UDFA opportunity and, you know, he was calling to to draft you, um, you know, there in the sixth round. So can you kind of, you know, relive, relive that moment uh, a little bit for the listeners to kind of take us through that phone call for those who might not have seen the video? Yeah, so, I mean, well, preliminary to the phone call, I had a previous relationship with Coach Rule and with the staff, because when I was at the Senior Bowl, I played for their staff and, you know, got to go through a week of a crash course on NFL football. You know, you go from a week prior to that, it's all you know is college ball, and then you get tossed into the Senior Bowl, and it's just drinking water through a fire hose in terms of pump protections and field goal and everything that changes when you go to that level, rule changes and all that type of stuff. And I got to go through that little learning process with the Carolina Panthers coaching staff and with coach rule, coach Blackburn, and coach Foley. And so, you know, I had that, that previous relationship, um, which is why, you know, I mean, coach 
answered the call as if, you know, he's talking to a friend. Well, it's because, I mean, you know, we, we knew each other. And, you know, I'm sitting there facing the reality that I might not play for the Panthers, depending on what happens. And I wanted to play for Carolina really, really bad. You know, that was after the Senior Bowl and having the relationship. It was something that I knew if I ever got the opportunity to, to do it, I would jump at it immediately. Um, and so, you know, answering the call, like you said, the potential of being a UDFA and then getting the reality of, you know, you're going to be you're going to be a draft pick, you know, I mean, Blake, you know, like it's, it's unbelievable, man. you like, you go from a lot of unknowns to a lot of, of knowns. And so basically like I found out I was going to be a draft pick and there was a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, a lot of running around the house, a lot of trying to figure out if it was real or not. I talked to, uh, to our owner, Mr. Tepper. And I'm like, just, just so thankful, you know, because I know it's an opportunity that not very many people get, and for any organization to make a draft pick like that is is taking a real chance on you. It's putting a lot of trust and a lot of faith in you. And so the opportunity was, I, I took it to heart for sure. And I'm I'm absolutely indebted to the Carolina Panthers organization. No question about it. You mentioned being there, being with the staff at the Senior Bowl. Did you did you feel like there was a connection there when you know after that week? Did, was there an obvious? an obvious connection there with, with some of the coaches like, you know, Chase Blackburn, he's an awesome guy. I met him two years ago. We had a joint practice and training camp. We, we flew down to Carolina and, and, and the Bills and Panthers did a joint practice, but our special teams coach, Heath Farwell now came from Carolina. He was an assistant with Chase. So, and Chase is awesome. So I was, I'm wondering, was there a, did you feel like there was a pretty close connection there after, you know, after spending a week with that staff? You both know as well as anybody, NFL coaches like to keep their their cards close to the chest. So, I mean, I, I know for me, I was very much drawn to their style of coaching. And that, I mean, Coach Rule, the head coach, Chase, the special teams coordinator, Ed Foley, the special teams analyst, like, and everybody across the board. Like, it wasn't it wasn't just a special teams coordinator thing. As amazing as Chase is, the rest of the staff is is incredible. You know, I mean, it's an organization that is very much geared towards doing the right things in order to win football games. And it reminded me a lot of the staff that we have here at Alabama. And so I was very immediately drawn to that and very much knew that, you know, I I wanted to be a part of it. I knew that. And, you know, luckily, looking through the process, they obviously wanted me to be a part of it as well. But when you're in in the process of it, you know, they're they're not going to not going to tell you anything to be completely honest. And so it ended up, ended up going well. Yeah. And, and I think that's, what's so cool about, about the NFL is, is you never really know what's going on. And that's, that's kind of the, the crazy business of it is that you never, you never really know as much as you think you do, you, you can never figure it out. And um, somebody who I actually wanted to mention and ask you about was somebody that was able to help Reed and I, and, now you, um, with understanding the business of the NFL, we actually have something cool in common. The three of us all share the same agent, Bruce Tolner, uh, with Rep One Sports. Uh, how was he able to kind of lay things out for you and, and share with you the, the process? Because it can be intimidating. It can be scary going into the next phase of your, of your life playing in the NFL. Um, how, was he be, how was he able to help you with that? Bruce was phenomenal in respects of helping me see through the smoke, if that makes sense, because, you know, I would have calls with teams who were telling me I was the greatest snapper they've ever seen and blah, 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 blah. And like, I think you're going to be really good, all this. And, you know, I call him and be like, I think we've got a real shot at this place. And he's like, if a team's telling you that it's pretty much a recruiting tactic and they just want to have the right to sign you after the draft, uh, then I'd have a call with the team and I'd be like, well, they don't like me. I mean, every I couldn't have done a single thing right the entire time I was here. And he goes, that's because they're actually trying to evaluate you, you know? And so it's like you're seeing through the smoke in a different way. Because, like, when you're getting recruited in college, if a coach is telling you he likes you, he actually likes you. If a coach is telling you he doesn't like you, he doesn't like you. In the NFL, it's almost the opposite, you know, especially at this point in the process. Like, I'm sure, you know, years down the road, if I become a free agent at some point, like, they'll shoot you straight because they have no reason to – you know, recruit you at that point, I guess. But, um, you know, if I ever was leading myself down the wrong path mentally and thinking things that might not have been completely accurate, you know, Bruce was 
somebody who went through the process with the two of you guys and has gone through the process with, you know, a ton of other people who have tried to make it in this league. And so to have somebody that is, you know, an extension of yourself, basically be able to tell you reality versus perception was, was fantastic. That's awesome. And, and I think that that's having somebody that's been through it before and has been able to help so many people with that experience. It, it gave me a lot of uh, comfort knowing that, you know, I was in good hands and, and that I had an agent who's, who's truly looking out for my best interest because at the end of the day, the success that you have is reflective of him as well. So um, the last thing we want to ask you about, Thomas, is what are you looking forward to most about the NFL? Obviously, you had a lot of success in, at, at the college level. What are you looking forward to most uh, with the NFL? I mean, the whole reason I, I wanted to play in the NFL from the get-go is because this is the highest level that this game is played at. You know, I like I love football. I love when football is high stakes, and this is as high stakes as it gets. You know, that's what's the most exciting for me is anything that you pursue, you want to be at the top of your profession, and the opportunity to play in this league is being at the top of your profession. And so it's just that part is is very exciting, to say the least. All right, Thomas. Well, I think that was uh, everything that we had for you today. Can you share uh, maybe where uh, the listeners can find you on Twitter or Instagram or, or any socials that you may have? Yeah, so my Twitter and my Instagram are both the same. It's just at Long Snap Fletch. All right, we are moving on to uh, our next interview, Snapper 2, that was drafted this year in the 2021 NFL Draft. We have Cameron Cheeseman on with us today. Cameron uh, was a long snapper for the University of Michigan, three-year starter there, played in the Senior Bowl uh, with Thomas Fletcher this past January, Uh, and he was drafted to the Washington football team. Cameron, first off, congratulations. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. This is going to be a fun time. Absolutely. Uh, Well, first off, uh, can you kind of give us a little background um, of, of how your draft day went and, and any, yeah. uh, you know, kind of everything leading up to, to the phone call from, from Washington. Yeah. So, I mean, when my morning started off, I, uh, went to help my dad cause they, my parents, they just bought a new boat. So in the morning we had to go and, uh, make some room for that. Got a little breakfast in us and then, uh, headed, headed back home and basically waited for my family to get there. I mean, I had a lot of people, I mean, really all my close family because, uh, you know, drafted or undrafted, whatever it, it may have been. You know, I want to have all my family there. Kind of, it was a combination of a grad party, my birthday party, because that was in April, and then you know the draft party, of course. So you know, when once noon hit, uh, you know that's when I got your phone on, no matter what. Uh, and really, be- right before the draft started, my agent, you know, he called and uh, basically said, you know, Houston, they actually. Uh, the, the GM called and said that, you know, they're going to try to do it, <clears throat> what they can do to see what they can do to get me, whether it's drafted or undrafted. So that was the only team I heard of. Actually, you know, Carolina, um, their, their coaches, they, they reached out and, you know, wished me good luck for the draft. Um, Washington did not, uh, I don't think. Um, but, you know, as the draft, you know, got started, you know, rounds four and five, it's kind of like, all right, I don't really have to, you know, fifth round's rare, but I was like, let's just be ready for uh, any phone calls that, you know, may occur. And I knew, you know, kind of had a list of like what, you know, what round each team had picks in. Uh, and based off the conversations I've had, you know, I was anticipating if I was going to be drafted, it would probably be between Houston and uh, Washington. Those were like the two teams that I was thinking would take a pick uh, if, if they were. And then when the sixth round came around, I was like, all right, here we go. And then, you know, I saw uh, Houston, they originally had three six-round picks, and then they traded away two, and they were left with one. Uh, And after they gave away, or after they made their last pick, I was like, well, if it looks like I'm not going to Houston uh, unless it's undrafted. Right after their last pick, my agent said the GM called them and uh, basically told them um, that they they wanted me if, if they could get me after the draft. So couple picks later you know as we got later in the round I saw Carolina they were up and I knew they were one of the teams that I was talking to uh but I didn't think you know I was like maybe they would draft but I'm not sure uh and as I was sitting there I looked up and I saw they drafted Thomas and I was like oh I was like you know you know you see a snapper off the board and you're like based off the past history you think like all right there's only been one snapper you know over the past years I'm like you know it's probably it might it might not get me drafted at this point and I texted my agent and he was like, 
like you're, like your next, like, like be ready. And literally a couple minutes after, of course, he texted me that I get a phone call from Arlington, uh, Virginia. And I was like, uh, uh-uh. I was like, cause I knew, uh, it was weird. Cause on the TV, it showed that Philadelphia actually had back to back picks. It didn't show Washington. We were like keeping track of the draft picks like on our phone. And we, we saw that Washington made the trade. So I was like, like they might, they might pull a trigger. They might hear. And then, yeah, I got that call and it was uh, coach Rivera. And that was it. That was the pick right there. That's Very awesome. cool. Did you, did you uh, on your call, did you kind of pull a, uh, a Fletcher, did you see Fletcher's video? Yeah, I saw did, that. Did you, did you think when Washington called you, did you think because there's only been one snapper taken previously, did you think that they were calling for an undrafted spot or did you know, did you know when you talked to Coach Rivera that they were going to draft you? Yeah, you know, I, I knew like uh, about an hour or two before coordinator from Houston called me uh, and basically told me like they want to take me after. So that was kind of in the back of my head. I was like, all right. I'm not if like somebody calls me that doesn't guarantee I'm going to be drafted it could be something you know setting up for after the draft so yeah that, that was definitely in my mind when I get the call and then as soon as I heard it was you know like when it was coach Rivera I was like all right like this this could be it yeah it, it is a super cool feeling and you know with the draft come a, a roller coaster of emotions just as picks start to go off the board you know you kind of hone in on different teams that you think could be yeah. potential opportunities um, what was that moment like actually receiving that call and hearing the coach or the GM or whoever say, we're going to take you with this next pick? What was that like? It's out-of-body experience. You know, you, you hear that literally all your training and everything, you know, led up to that just flashes before your eyes. And, you know, it really – it doesn't really hit you. I mean, it still really hasn't set, like set in for me. That's basically what you work for your whole life, you know, that dream you've had as a kid. And don't even really remember what the phone call consisted of. You know, you just taken it all in. He said, tell your family you're going to Washington and, you know, told everybody. And my house just erupted. It was like just a state of shock. I'm, yeah, I'm, pretty, sure I, I'm pretty sure I blacked out for a, for a few minutes too there first. Like, like as all of it was spinning, I was breathing really heavy and it was just this weird moment yeah. of – I don't really know what's going on right now and I'm crying and I'm happy and, and all these things, people are hugging me that, you know, I don't know what's going on, but that's so, so awesome, man. I'm so happy for you. Everyone's got their phones out, you know, and they're just like taking pictures with you and they're like, all right, well, you know, someone will be calling you here shortly. And like two minutes after I'm in my, in, in this room right now on a zoom, zoom interview, <laughs> it's like, there's rush you in, you know, you're trying to just enjoy it with the family and, Backtracking just a little bit, kind of kind of rewind to maybe this time last year. Yep. You know, how how tough was it to make your decision to opt out of the 2020 season? It was all a financial decision. Um after the season ended, you know, as we got into the the spring there, COVID hit. Um and for me, you know, being a preferred walk on when I came in, it was I was pulling scholarship on a yearly basis. So I played my whole sophomore season as a walk on. Uh, and then this, that summer before my junior year, I was on scholarship and then I was on for the fall and then um, all the way up until my senior year. So after the, you know my senior season ended, it was like, all right, well, I'm, I want to come back for my fifth year. I was like, that, like let's do it. Um, and then COVID hit. We all got sent home. Uh, and when we came back, you know, I, I went to coach Harbaugh again and I, and I told him, you know what, uh, I didn't need a scholarship. I had all my classes I needed to graduate. Um, so really I was coming back in the fall just to play football, you know, set myself up for the next level. Um, and when it came down in the summer, he told me at the time when my, the day my rent was due, I was like, or I had to renew my lease. That's what it was. And I asked him, does it look like I'm going to be on scholarship, uh, for the fall? And, and this was actually when they canceled the big 10 season too. So this conversation was after they already canceled the big 10 season. There was no hopes for a fall. There was no hopes for a spring at the time, possibly a spring. And he told me, look, like right now there isn't a scholarship for you. So, you know, I had to make that decision. All right, there's no season. I don't have a scholarship to stay. I'm just going to go back home and train um, back in Columbus. And when I got home, that's when they brought the Big Ten season back. And I was like, I was like stuck. I was like, well, I'm here. I can only make the most of it now. Um, So I just kept training and then. The senior bowl came around, of course, and that was a huge opportunity. Being able to, you know, showcase my, you know, me snapping again, coming off and of not playing a season, so that was vital for me. And 
I was really appreciative of that. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Um, I mean, especially that was kind of one thing I was talking to about Blake before the, you know, before when we were talking about, um, interviewing you and kind of, and kind of asking you some of these questions, but as a snapper to be able to get drafted, not playing the season before, that's very impressive. So, uh, yeah, I mean, take, you know, wear that kind of as a, definitely wear that as a badge of honor, but, uh, but yeah, just that, that's super impressive. Yeah. I was, I was lucky. At least a lot of hard work, though. Absolutely, it didn't stop when I went home. So, so let's talk about the the Senior Bowl is over. This well, the season's over. Senior Bowl is over. All right, you have however many weeks until until the draft. How are you training? What are you doing? Um, Are you going back and doing a lot of the training that you were doing during the season? What does that look like? What's your pre draft process look like? Since the time I got back to Columbus, I needed to figure out where I was going to be working out, of course. Um, and I had a, a gym basically here. Uh, and they ended up moving back to downtown Columbus. Pinnacle Performance is the name of it. It's basically the guy who was my trainer. I don't know if you guys ever seen like those world's strongest men, like guys who are squatting over a thousand pounds, like benching 800. Like that was the guy who's been working me out um, over the course of this off season. So I basically, from a strength standpoint, um, I knew it was vital for me to, to get the best strength training I could get. Um, and then alongside that, when it came time to prep for my pro day, I was like, well, I need to make sure I can run still. Um, so I got in touch with D1 here in Columbus. Um, and they basically, you know, gave me some pro day prep, you know, during the weeks uh, leading up to it. As far as snapping goes, um, for the most part, I've just been doing my own thing here in Columbus. Uh, I was snapped anywhere from there's this indoor baseball batting cage facility here. I've been going there back in the winter. Um, and then now I've been able to go back to my high school because, you know, they got they got a field there. I, I can even snap at my gym, too. So basically, you know, picking up with my snapping, training, my routine, you know, that I did back at Michigan, kind of just continue that and just continue, you know, blocking my footwork those fundamentals there very cool yeah i mean that kind of reminds me of of uh what we've kind of had to do over the years you kind of sometimes you got to get creative you know if a field isn't open or the gym's not open like you said i mean we've we blake and i have snapped back home in atlanta i mean we've snapped on the side of a baseball cage you know i've snapped in a baseball cage you know it's like you you just kind of have to I mean, you only need 15 yards. Flat ground. So, right, flat ground with 15 yards. So, I, I put my tennis shoes on and snap wherever. But, uh, but yeah, that's – We used to snap in – we used to snap in, like, hotel hallways. Yeah. Before camp – like, before yep. Rubio yeah. camps and stuff. Yeah, that's would, exactly right. We would snap in hotel hallways. I mean, basketball gyms. We'd, we'd just yep. put on some basketball shoes and go in there and snap. I mean, it – you get in where you fit in, I guess. That's, that's right. exactly that's, right. That's an advantage to our position, you know I mean? We don't need much. You see the ball in some little bit of room there. That's right. Anywhere. And it's a plus if you get somebody that's there to catch for you. <laughs> True. It's because sometimes they're like, ah, you snap it. Snap it against the wall. Been there, done that. Yep. Yeah. My um, got me a new uh, snapping target for my birthday. Love that. Uh, love that. Is it the wizard kicking one? No, it's it's like this foreign foreign one target you know set it up it comes like a little square there and very collapsible nice. you know oh you can, it, you can pack it up and take it wherever right. throw it in the throw it in the back of the back That's of the true. truck <laughs> oh, yeah. uh well bouncing bouncing back to the draft in the draft process um blake and i i mean kind of blake and i didn't really hear from i mean speaking for myself i didn't hear a ton actually i didn't hear at all from buffalo before uh, they called me for a UDFA spot, and uh, and Blake last year didn't hear a ton from Miami leading up to the draft. I think he had had a couple calls, and then I think Blake talked with his uh, now current special teams coach uh, quite a bit at the combine. But were I mean, were there any specific interviews or interactions? Uh, with the Washington football team coaches that made you feel like you had a connection with them or that there might be an opportunity there for you? Yeah, so they, they reached out to me um, late February, maybe early March, the weeks leading up to Pro Day. Um, I got the opportunity to have base or the Zoom call uh, with our coordinator. 
and really got to, got to get to know him, you know, and I appreciated, you know, every, everything, you know, from whatever we talked about, it may have been just getting to know me to, you know, all the way down to the game, but he, he always, you know, expressed his interest in me. Uh, and that definitely, you know, made me enjoy our conversations, uh, during the weeks leading up to the draft, you know, we had, uh, like two or three zoom calls, I'd say before the draft. And then once I got to my pro day, the end of March, I, got to meet one of the scouts from Washington there. Uh, and, and he came up to me and he was like, he's like 33. Cause you know, my, he was like, I think that's what you got on the Wonderlick." <laughs> I was like, I was like, really? Cause you know, I didn't even know from, you know, senior bowl, we took it, but um, yeah, he really expressed his interest to me there as well. You know, um, how much, you know, first teams coach lo- loved me there. And um, so after pro day, we maybe had one more zoom call he definitely expressed his interest in me and, um, you know, but there's always that, that thing, you know, I, I learned it's, it's a business and, you know, you can't hundred percent dive into something they may say because you never know, um, you know, if they're telling somebody else that or, or whatever. So you, you try to keep a level head, um, going into it. You know, you don't want to have those expectations like, Oh, they're going to draft me. They're going to draft me because at the end of the day, you don't know what their situation is, you know, kind of like Houston. It was kind of a similar thing where, you know, telling me something the same. And I'm like, okay, well, they might draft me as well. But yeah, I definitely felt that given the situation, that was going to be one of my you know best opportunities to go there. Um, I definitely had a feeling like they could have they could have drafted me, and the way it worked out, I'm happy with it. That's awesome. That's and I awesome. Think- uh, one thing to follow up, I uh, Blake and Blake and I have talked about it, kind of going back to what you have said, what you said. Uh, about you know not diving in too deep with with anything that you know coaches or teams might tell you just because I mean with with both of our uh, experiences going through the draft process over the past couple of years there's you know there's 32 different ways of thinking about every situation right there's 32 different teams 32 different GMs head coaches special teams coordinators I mean you name it so like I mean you know, kudos to you for for realizing that at, at such an early stage, because I think it does play into your favor not to get too, you know, over the moon about any one one team. Because, you know, for Blake and myself, the top three or four teams that we heard from, you know, leading up to the draft, with private workouts, you know, phone calls, Zoom calls, whatever it may be, you know, we we didn't hear from any of them on wow. draft day, wow. uh, and that's you know. Like you said, that's just the way it goes sometimes. But yeah, I'd, I'd say also like when I would have a conversation with the team, you know, I would I would tell my my parents, you know, you know what they'd ask, you know, what they say and stuff, and I would notice they would get really attached with like maybe a team I talk to, you know, they they may, you know, tell you know their friends, and I'm like like just trying to you know not sure what's going to happen yet. That's good, and and the NFL is a crazy business. That's that's one of the things that we were talking about with Thomas earlier, and you know, you just you got to you got to play it as it comes. You can't you can't get too attached exactly. to any any team, especially in that process. Yep. So, um, well, thanks, man. We we have one more question for you. Uh, what are you most excited about for the NFL? Obviously, you had a lot of success in in college. Yeah. What what are you looking forward to most about the NFL? First off, I'd say, well, going to Washington, I, I've never been to D.C. Uh, or that area. So that, that, first off, is the thing I'm, I'm most excited about, you know, getting to meet my new teammates. Uh, and also the fact that there's only three of us specialists. Because in my last year at Michigan, we had like 12, like 12 of us. And, you know, things can get overwhelming from that, that standpoint. So I'm definitely excited um, to form a close relationship, you know, with both my guys that is a great advantage when you get to this level is to be able to kind of spend that off season and that training camp time really, you know, like you said, developing that relationship with, with your guys. Cause you know, they're, they're, that's your, that's your crew. Now you're going to be spending, you know, just about every waking moment with them, you know, during the season for, for, you know, six, six and a half months at a time. So uh, that, you know, that's, that's definitely something to look forward to. It's the competition that's going to be up from college, you know. So, I mean, even though, you know, I play in the pro style, it's it's definitely going to be a, a difference, you know, once we get the next level, as you both know. So I'm excited about that. Very nice. Well, man, thank you so much for your time, Cameron. 
Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you on social media. So it's uh, camcheese33. I think that's both Instagram and Twitter now. Well, a big thank you to both of those guys for coming on the pod. They were our first ever guests and they were awesome. So you can find Thomas Fletcher at Long Snap Fletch. And then you can find Cameron Cheeseman at camcheese33. Both of them are the same on Instagram and Twitter. Go give those guys a follow. Reed, let's talk about the 2019 LSU-Alabama game. There were an insane number of picks coming out of that game across last year and this year. I think they had 17 first-round picks alone in, in that game for the 2020 and 2021 NFL drafts. Yeah, that that is wild. And when I saw this over the weekend, um, you know, af- after the draft was finished, I saw the, you know, I saw the list of guys for Bama and then for LSU. And I thought, okay, well, that's, you know, 17 guys in the whole draft, you know, for 2021. That's, you know, that's a lot of guys. But I mean, for that game to produce that many first round picks, we're talking top of the line best in the game, first-round picks. I mean, that is just insane. Just a couple of the names. I mean, you got Tua, who obviously is your uh, your teammate now, Najee, who went to the Steelers, uh, Devonta, who went to Philly, I believe, and then Judy uh, is out in Denver. I mean, some of the – you know, Mac in New England now. And then, you know, some of the LSU guys, Joe Burrow, Clyde, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, uh, Chase on, Patrick Queen. I mean, that's – those are some serious names and and for guys that that really produced for LSU and Bama for a number of years and then obviously you know you know going back to a year ago yourself you know you obviously played in that game and and won the championship in that year but i mean there's there I, I, LSU set the record last year in the 2020 draft for for total number of Draftees, is, that, is am, am I correct there? I think actually, I think we were or maybe one, tied I the think record. We were one shy, I think University of Miami might still hold that, but we were close. I think we had fourteen total last year, which is, I mean, that's not that's crazy in and of itself. But from that game, both snappers are now drafted to the NFL, which which uh, you know that that's a that's a pretty wild stat. That should be on 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 some trivia game. At, at burger night on on Wednesday burger night at the at the local burger joint that'll be that'll be a, that'll make for a nice trivia question you know 10 years down the road it's funny to me because on this particular article where it talks about the guys that were drafted in the first round it's got the, all of them listed mac jones is listed as the holder because that was what he was. It was he was not the quarterback. Oh, I didn't even he, notice. He that. played in the game, but he he's listed as the holder because that's that's how he participated in the game. But I think that is you, pretty crazy. I think if you look at this list, it'll be fun to see here in like the next three to four years how many of these guys end up in the Pro Bowl because a lot of them will be there. Justin Jefferson was already a Pro Bowler last year, I believe, and. He was, the, I believe, he was second in the voting for the for the rookie of the offensive rookie of the year. So it'll be interesting to see here in the next couple of years how many guys end up in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, moving on, we're going to hop into our uh, our segment called Short Snaps. Uh, this is where this is a segment every week we where we cover just a funny or an interesting headline that we saw um, since we last recorded. And uh, the 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 one that I brought to the table this week, and I hope some of you out there have seen it uh, on Twitter. This is that's where I saw it. But this this deal that happened out at the Diamondbacks game, Blake, did you see it? Yes. At Buck Army tweeted at the Diamondbacks and was like, "Hey, my roommate is there on a date, and they're sitting six rows behind home plate," which. If that's your first date, I don't know if it, it doesn't say if it was their first date, but if that's your first date, that's a pretty legit first date. My producer Chris is telling me that it was our second, it was their second date, um, which is still that's that's pretty legit. Um, and so he he tweeted at the, the bold move, yeah, big time, six six rows, knowing I mean, six row. That's knowing that you could end up on move. TV. 
um, he tweeted at the Diamondbacks saying, you know, is there any way we could get the cameraman to zoom out and so so that he can see how his how his friends doing? And then it led to a whole lot of chaos and hilarious content on the Twitter sphere. Yeah, so I think you know from from what I saw, the Diamondbacks were were kind of playing along and told them that. That, well, the, the guy that originally reached out, Buck Army, like you said, I I, I had never heard of him. He's a YouTuber. Uh, but he, yeah, that's what his profile says. He's 100,000 100, subs on YouTube, I, I guess is what that means. Uh, looks like he owns an esports business. But uh, he, you know, like you said, he was the one who re- reached out to the to the D-backs about this, you know, his friend and this this girl that, he, that they were on a date there at the game. And you know the the Diamondbacks, whoever their social is, talking about talking about getting a raise. So good. This so this good. is uh, this is this was some electric stuff uh, happening during this game. But the D backs social person was kind of going back and forth. You know what are they wearing? You know we can't find your friend. Uh, we're we're gonna get the the they, Valley Sports they even the Valley Sports Valley. TV crew. <laughs> like they're getting the TV crew to help them out. You know how many cameras they got at those baseball games nowadays? I mean for for all the replays and stuff. But I mean, this, this Buck army guy even sent a, a screenshot of a, of, of his buddy's pen, uh, pen like his location. His location. Pen. <laughs> and you can, you can see on Twitter, I will, we'll, we will retweet the, uh, the thread from our podcast account. But uh, I mean, you can see where, where his buddy's sitting at, on the, down the third base line. It's, it's, it's insane, but it's, it's hilarious. I think. Yeah. And the, the diamondbacks then go on to, they found him and they actually got him on they got them on the the big screen at the game they tweeted a picture of the of the couple sitting in their seats on the screen at Chase Field i mean you you can't make it up it's amazing yeah just uh just an all around classic story and i think it was pretty you know i was scrolling through a a bunch of the replies just to, i mean it seemed like everybody was definitely on you know on the same side kind of loving the content and and it was pretty cool to me to see all the other major league teams and some of the minor league teams that kind of chimed in with with their thoughts and and reactions to kind of the whole story but i mean that is that is a crazy story i mean it's uh this guy definitely took advantage of his of his check mark because who knows if the diamondbacks social would have uh would have responded otherwise but uh but yeah i mean i i uh I can't. I can't imagine that. That would be pretty. Pretty wild to go on a on a second date with uh, with then, your with. I don't know. And then you, this a second date. Are you girlfriend boyfriend by then? Second date depends on how soon the second date is. I guess I don't. I don't know. You're the, so, you're the one so, that's married. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, so so I'll, I'll call her uh, a friend. You know, say you go on your second date with your friend that's a girl, and unbeknownst to you your buddy is on twitter trying to get you on the big screen at the baseball game and you know what everybody when you get put on the big screen at a baseball game what's everybody thinking kiss cam kiss cam or somebody's getting proposed to so this girl i'm Mm. sure when 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 they popped up on there and i think i think on twitter on the twitter thread their buddy sent a picture of them on the screen but um, or maybe the maybe the D backs did, but you know that they were feeling some pressure when their when their picture popped up there. Yeah, and and as I'm scrolling through the there were not only were there like other major league baseball and minor league baseball teams getting involved, the Carolina Panthers responded. Um, there's like the other Mariners responded. Other blue checks just like filling this the the reply section. It's it's hilarious. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Great. That's some great uh that's great twittering. That's what we call that. Great twittering. Thank you to the Arizona Diamondbacks for giving us incredible short snaps content this week. All right, Reed, let's drink some beer, shall we? We shall. All right, let's get a nice crack here. I'll I'll go first. One, two, three. Oh, that was Ooh. good cracks today. Beautiful. That was nice. Love that sound. All right. So you went first last time, so I'm going to go first this time. This is Funky Buddha Brewing Company here in Fort Lauderdale. They're actually out of Oakland Park, which is Fort Lauderdale area. Funky Buddha? Funky Buddha. 
And okay. um, love it. This great is uh, design. Great design. They've got um, so this is called Hop Gun IPA. It's a play on obviously Top Gun, and so they've got the they've got the airplanes with the guys jumping out of them, and it's just a cool design. So uh, it's an East Coast IPA. It's uh, it's a it's got a bold flavor, but it's it's positively hoppy. That's what it says on the can on this can. So um, I'm sure I, it it's, is. It's one of my personal faves around this area. Um, I was actually at the Panthers game last night, the hockey game, and that was what we had to uh, drink. So Funky Buddha Hop Gun. What you got? Well, I got a beer here. Um, I've been saving it for a while because they're so delicious. Uh, when we went to KC, Kansas City for the AFC Championship game, uh, the snapper for the Chiefs, James Winchester, a good friend of mine, he was so kind as to uh, give us a little parting gift, uh, as many snappers do for away get for teams that are visiting their home stadium. You know, it's a nice gesture just to kind of send off uh, some local brews for, uh, you know, for the guys on on the trip home. So yeah, that's a little that's me, a little known um, fact. That's a little known little fact, known fact that specialists kind of take care of each other when when they're on the road. And so he he really hooked it up. He gave me um, a, a ton. I think he gave me like three uh, three six packs and uh, a, a fifth of Crown, which I don't drink. Um, wow. Still trying, still looking for a home for a home. So so uh, I may give it to our producer Chris because I know he's fond of it. But uh, th- this beer uh, came from Boulevard Brewing Company uh, out in Kansas City. This beer is called Tank Seven. Uh, and, and it's a pretty cool, it's got a pretty cool story behind it. Uh, while, while they were, while the, the, uh, brewing company was experimenting with, uh, some different Belgian style ales, uh, they were, they had a bunch of fermenters, I guess, lined up that they were doing some beers in. And, uh, they found that the, the perfect combination, uh, and the perfect taste came out of tank seven. Uh, they said on, on the can it says you could call it fate, but we call it Tank Seven. So amazing! Um, it's a very good American saison, uh, delicious beer. Uh, but shout out to our our friend James Winchester for the Chiefs, and uh, shout out to Boulevard Brewing Company. They've they've given me some some very uh, enjoyable tastes on my taste buds. James is a great guy. I'm not shocked that he sent you home with plenty of consumable beers and a fifth of crown. That's, I mean, yeah, we'll have to, you'll have to get still that, unopened. You'll have to get that over to Chris. I'm sure he would, I'm sure he'd love to consume that. Or so take, yep. let's, uh, let's get into a mailbag. Shall we, while we drink our beers, let's, uh, let's dive in. First question at up the gut podcast. Shout out to those guys. They asked, what is an NFL team? Like, does everyone get along and hang out, etc." Uh, well, uh, I was on this, I was on their podcast. Um, I got roughly a month ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, had a great talk, but what is an NFL team like? Uh, I would say, you know, it's, it's, it's a bunch of guys coming together from all different walks of life, backgrounds, families. I mean, you name it. And uh, it's it's basically everybody kind of coming together for for a common goal, and that's to win a championship, win games, and win and win championships. So, uh, you know, being on on a team, being on an NFL team, I think kind of I guess cliche a little bit, but it's unlike anything else that I think you could be a part of, just because um, it's so many guys that are competing at the highest level that, and and everybody's very well. I speak for Buffalo. Everybody's very respectful of everybody. Um, you know, in terms of his of the question, does everyone get along and hang out? Uh, yes, definitely. There's definitely a, a ton of you know video games, you know dinners, grilling out at the at the house, you know barbecues. I mean, you name it. But you know, I think that 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 definitely plays into to building a strong culture on a team. But uh, but yeah, great question. Yeah, I don't I don't think I could have really put that uh, any better. That was that was really good and. For me, it was it was kind of difficult because we, I mean, my rookie season was during COVID, and we couldn't really hang out much. Like we were supposed to come in the building, do our thing, practice, and leave. 
and we would we would actually get I mean the NFL sent out a memo that guys would get fined if they were caught hanging out off the field because they didn't want guys being around other each other and potentially exposing each other so um, it made it difficult but we did the best that we could just you know on the field and while we were actually while we were in the building so uh, but yeah I mean for the most part, everybody likes each other and, and everybody gets along because you're, you're around each other too much not to, not to at least find some common ground and some things that you have uh, that you both like or that, that you like. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You want to hit the next one? At finfan for life 91 Great name. Got some fancy, uh, fancy uh, title there. For life, uh, they for life asked, with a Y. With a y. For life with a y. y. That's how you know they're about it. Oh, yeah. About that life. Uh, were there any teams in the draft process that you didn't want to go to? I wouldn't say that there were any teams that I didn't particularly want to go to because you and I both know that as a snapper, any opportunity that you get to play in the National Football League is golden because there's so few opportunities in so few positions there's 32 of our position in the world you're lucky to you're lucky to be anywhere in any city playing football in the nfl so um now there were there were obviously um a ranking of you know where i would prefer to be over other over others given the opportunity but you know there wasn't any particular team that i was like no i don't i don't want to go there yeah, I agree. I think in terms of uh, you know of of not wanting to go somewhere, I don't think I had. You know, there was nowhere that was really on a you know like a don't go list uh, for me. But like you said, I think you know we each had uh, we each had a one through thirty two ranking based on kind of different situations and how you know how good you know if 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 we were to get approached as an F uh, UDFA you know, what would the best situation be? So, I, you know, I think, you know, you would obviously go with a higher ranked team versus a lower ranked team. But, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, it made it easy for me just because my, my choices were Buffalo or Washington as a, as an undrafted free agent. And, uh, like, you know, like we said before, our agent, uh, he had one other snapper, uh, when I was coming into the league and that one other snapper happened to be the guy for, for Washington, you know, it, it was an easy decision for me to to kind of pick Buffalo with that in mind. Plus, I think you said last week on the pod that they, that Buffalo actually was offering you, they were offering you an opportunity in camp more so than Washington was just offering you mini camp. And that was kind of right, like a rookie, yeah, the rookie mini camp tryout guaranteed training camp. So I think those two, those two probably put the pieces together for you. Definitely. All right, let's move on to the next one. So several folks uh, asked about the the brotherly competition between us and how that might be amplified by being in the same division now. So uh, I will hit on that because um, th- this is one thing we've always been uber competitive, whether it was video games or basketball in the driveway playing baseball in the backyard we've always been crazy competitive and now we get to continue taking that out on each other so instead of you know playing one one time every couple of years we actually get to play twice a year so it makes the brotherly competition even higher yeah definitely and i think like you said we get to play twice every year instead of once every four years but uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's uh, you know being able to ha- to just strictly have bragging rights over your brother because of what you and your team did. I think that that's that's kind of that's that tops all competition we had growing up. So that's not fair. That's not fair at all. Two and zero at the moment. That's not fair at all. Okay. All right. We'll we're, we'll just move on to the next question. The only thing I'll say is I wish I you know I hope that. Uh, I hope I can end up on on maybe the the field goal block team this year and maybe maybe line up in the A gap, you know? I don't know that you're tall enough to be on the maybe. field goal block team. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It doesn't hurt to ask. Heath might he might Heath might throw you a bone. 
You're a captain, you so might. if you ask nicely. Maybe. I've always wanted to run down on kickoff. I th- I think that that would be fun. Probably not in the NFL, but like make sure Jason kicks a touchback. Like uh, yeah, for sure. Got to run through the back of the end zone because definitely got to definitely got to be a uh, touchback. Last one on the mailbag for the week. We got uh, at Brady Dolan underscore ls, and he is asking for our best advice for young long snappers. Uh, I will I will kick this off because I've got two things that come to come to my mind uh, right off the bat. But every time I, I I teach guys, whether I was teaching them in college or I've taught a handful of kids with you know given lessons since I've been in the league, but I think you know and, and it pertains to to snapping directly. But you know flexibility is a highly underrated part of of being a a really good long snapper in my opinion and i haven't asked a ton of guys that play in the league but i know a handful of guys that i do know that have been very good one thing that they always work on is is their is their hip and their shoulder and their hamstring flexibility uh which just which which plays directly into uh their form and the technique and kind of being as consistent as possible on that end but uh, and then the other thing I think is 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 try to get in the weight room not as not as early as you can, but definitely try to try to start establishing that strong base uh, in the weight room. You know because because eventually you know when you if you want to make it to to the NFL you're going to have to block guys, uh, and you've got to be able to to not just get go go out there and get pushed around. So I think kind of the lifting. And the flexibility part for me is is two huge aspects that I think sometimes get overlooked uh, in in the snapping world. It's not it, it, it a lot of you know a lot of it is focused on the form and the technique and the, the actual snapping part of it, but there is definitely some off the field uh, work that has to be put in when you're not snapping uh, footballs. Yeah, I would say my best advice for young long snappers would be to find a routine as early and often as you can when you are, I mean, that's just kind of in life, but finding a routine for when you're snapping on a weekly basis and being consistent with that is going to help you because if you're snapping twice one week and then four times the next week, if you're snapping every day the following week, you're going to be all over the place and you're not going to give your body a chance to recover and things are just going to be different every single week that you go out to, to snap. So I would find a good routine for snapping a couple times a week and then, you know, just being consistent with that and, and sticking to that. Well, um, that's all for, for this week, Blake. Uh, great job. I, you know, we got a big day on Sunday coming up. Do you know what Sunday is? Sunday is Mother's Day, and I was actually looking at flowers for mom today online, and I'm fired up to pick out a nice bouquet with some sunflowers because those are her favorite flowers. Reed and make I sure will, I can make sure I can chip in for those. Reed and I will be sending lots of a a Phyllis Vance amount of flowers to That's um, a great analogy to mom on Sunday because she deserves it. She put out two uh, amazing young men, and she needs credit for that. <laughs> um, Self-proclaimed. Yes. So, uh, But yeah, shout out to all the moms. If we have some listening, I know we have a couple that have uh, shouted, shouted out. Uh, shout out to Chris's mom. She put out an awesome producer, and shout out to Erica Barber because she is uh, the newest mom in our circles. Different last name. Erica Barber. Wow. I, I, you know what's funny? I still have her saved as Erica Barber in my phone. And when she sends me like a, uh, when she sends me a text message, that's uh, I, she's still Erica Barber to me. But she is now Erica Ferguson, the newest mom in our circles. Happy Mother's Day to all of them. Yes, happy Mother's Day uh, to everybody out there. All the all the mothers out there, new. Uh, I'm not going to say old. New mothers or mothers that have been around for a little bit. More experienced mothers. More experienced mothers. That's right. But 
Uh, well, thank you for listening. Be sure to uh, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, we would like to start reading some of those and uh, giving some of our listeners a shout out. Uh, we will be putting up our mailbag question uh, next early uh, next week before we record. We'd love to hear some feedback. You can find us on social media at After the Snap Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Again, that's at After the Snap Pod. Follow us there. This has been After the Snap Tales from Two Brothers Who Live Life Upside Down. <laughs>